Welcome to episode 52 of the Half Point Per Podcast. I'm your host, Evan, joined by my co-host, Dalton, and producer Johnny Pham is absent tonight. Uh, not totally sure if he's still hanging out at Disneyland, Dalton. I know that's where he was last week when we were all kind of uh, too busy to get an episode, and I think it's the first week we've missed in any of the two seasons. But Johnny's either in Disneyland or doing something else, but, but we're stuck here putting the legwork, I guess. Uh, rumor has it. He talked trash on Mickey Mouse, and he is now in Disneyland prison. Uh, for those concerned, he is not at Disneyland Shanghai, which they quarantined all 30,000 people. Uh, he is in the United States, so he is okay. Believe me that. It, it, it is also possible that Johnny ate 30 Mickey Mouse-shaped pretzels from, from Disneyland, because that's all he was talking about. before. He was talking about that more than anything else at Disney before he went. And sent me at least one Snapchat of his of his Mickey Mouse pretzel um, while he was there. Yep, he sent me one as well. So he was a man of his word. Uh, what is the ride with all the little kids who sing? It's a good life, or it's a small, it's a world. small world. Yeah, yeah, that was closed, and he was very upset. <laughs> Wait, really? He didn't send me that. He sent you that. Yes, when him and I went there a couple of years ago, we did ride that ride. It is kind of fun, despite it being a children's ride. <laughs> I probably rode that ride, but I, you know, can't say I remember it too well because I think it was when I was a, a child and, and not when I was there as an adult. Well, It's a Small World is Johnny's favorite ride as an adult as well. <laughs> checks out. Checks out. Mickey Mouse Pretzel, It's a Small World. Uh, hopefully Johnny makes them from Disney someday. We've got a good show uh, today, though. Dalton, the, the real-life NFL trade deadline wasn't a lot that happened and what little that did happen um did not really change not even change the landscape didn't really even alter much of anything uh fantasy football wise at least today like we were talking about beforehand like there's the Mark Ingram trade where yeah maybe hit maybe his value is a little bit higher just because the upside is more um on a week-to-week basis, but just also, like, if anything were to happen to Kamara. But is there anything that you wanted to even, like, mention with the trade deadline? Or, like, you know, I don't even think we should speculate on Deshaun Jackson stuff because he may be assigned by the time this comes out. But is there anything that, like, catches your eye or that you're interested in? No, I mean, the big splash was defensive signing. It was Vaughn Miller to the Rams. Mm-hmm. I, the, the only other thing I'm keeping an eye on, and this is just on the periphery, is... Odell seems like he's doing the same thing he did in New York and really wants out. Well, his, well, his, well, his dad had a, had an intro, an interesting Instagram post today. Have you seen it? Yes. For those who don't know, his father posted a video uh, claiming that Baker doesn't throw to Odell because Baker does not want to be outshined by Odell. Uh, <laughs> Do you see Dwayne Bowe said they had the same thing to him in Cleveland too? Oh <laughs> yeah, and that's also why Dwayne Bow caught no touchdowns an entire season in Kansas City. Hey, Dwayne Bow was good as a chief, but 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 he <laughs> yes, was. that that did also happen. Um, but no, I mean, I would keep eyes on that. I don't think the Browns are a, a silly enough organization to release him, but he's definitely destined for somewhere else in this offseason, it looks like. Mm-hmm. And I, I would be surprised if we saw his snap stay at the rate they're at with the way Cleveland's playing this game and the way Odell's playing this game. Big superstar, not a big superstar on the field anymore. It it was kind of funny how, it, how stuff was uh, matriculating out today as it pertains to Odell, because you have LeBron, who I know he's a Cowboys fan, but he's like also a Browns fan, obviously from Cleveland and and cheering for the Browns uh, quite quite hard as well as the Cowboys. But what he tweets, something like, I don't want to give it the full Trumpism, like make Odell great again. But it was basically that, like Odell, yeah. like Odell's gonna show everyone that that he that he's great again, basically. And it's like, okay, this is a little bit weird because like. He's a Browns fan, but this seems like a dig at the Browns and him wanting Odell off of that team. And then obviously uh, the dad posting videos of Odell wide open and the ball uh, not not coming his way. Failed to post any of the ones that Odell did not catch, however. Or the three to four plays a game Odell's good at, at going to the sideline, looking injured, and then returning. He is the ultimate Julio Jones 2.0 now. He is also, like, playing with a hurt shoulder, too, but yes. Yeah, well, so is his quarterback, to be fair. Yes, yes. Uh, There's a lot of of guys here in Cleveland. But, yeah, I'm I'm with you. And and as we talked about before, it's like, 
you know, what what's Tampa doing with with Ronald Jones? Like you you said this, and I think you made a, a great point. So I'll, I'll let you mostly make it here, but I'll just just tee you up. What is the point of Ronald Jones being in Tampa anymore? Like I know you can't get much, but like you could probably get something, which is better than nothing. And nothing is what you're getting from Ronald Jones right now as Tampa. Yeah, well, and I'll extend this conversation over to Marlon Mack as well because both mm-hmm. these situations make no sense. Both the teams seem they want to make sure they keep running back depth. Well, and then which, Mack, on top of that, is a guy who, you know— He's requests, on a one-year. He's a one-year, and he requests the trade. Where it's like, I know that every time a guy requests a trade, it doesn't happen. But like when it gets public like that, it usually happens at least as often as it doesn't. And also, like— it's just a good favor to do for an agent. Uh, that guy is an agent of a lot of other players. It, it, it helps build that relationship with that agent if you help that client out. Exactly. And I just don't understand either of those. I mean, if you can get a six-round pick for these running backs, both of them are going to be gone at the end of the year. I don't understand why you don't do it. Their utilizations, I mean, Marlon Mack's basically a healthy scratch week to week, and Ronald Jones may as well be. There's no situation mm-hmm. where they use them. They blow out the Eagles, and he doesn't even get in the game in that. Yeah. I mean, it's just he's just. I think I think, I think I saw. Spot. I think I saw like he had like a catch. I saw him one time on the field uh, the other day against the Saints. Yeah, and even when Giovanni Bernard wasn't playing, they weren't using Ronald Jones in any of those situations. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I don't understand it. I was hoping for a little more impactful of a trade deadline for fantasy purposes, just to have a little fun. But I guess instead we're going to have to get some people to go out in their leagues and make their own trades before the deadline so we can have our own fun. Yeah, because it's like, you know, you have the you have the ultimate team who should be looking to trade for a running back in, in Tennessee because mm-hmm. their knight in shining armor, which I suppose we should at least mention that on the pod. We obviously didn't pod last week and, and haven't talked or written anything since this. You know, Derek Henry is out for at least six weeks, it, it seems like, six to eight weeks, had the foot surgery. Um, yeah, you would think they would be primed to, I know they bring in Adrian Peterson, but he's a guy who was not in the league this year. And I saw a tweet where it was him scoring like a long touchdown. And it was like, well, this was only three years ago. It's like three years ago is a very long time for anything, especially an NFL running back. Go look at the top NFL running backs just from three years ago. It is way different now. Yeah. Well, it has to suck to be Todd Gurley right now. I mean, <laughs> yeah. this, this, NFL off, this NFL season has been a horrible season for running back health, and that man cannot get his foot in the door. He can't anywhere. get a workout. He hasn't even no. gotten a workout anywhere. He's just, no. like, completely done. Yeah. yeah, I mean, his season is just completely over. And then small shout-out, I wish the Ravens had just traded my boy Tyson to the, <laughs> the, the Titans or so, done something in that manner, but – it was just a tough trade deadline. Nothing fun happened. The NFL seems about injuries, or these teams do, and I don't know why some of these teams not contending didn't trade away, but who knows? Do you have any interest in in Peterson or I guess it's McNichols is, is the other guy there? So Darrington Evans is the guy who's on the IR now. So yes, you have and he's on the IR for the season. So you have McNichols and Adrian Peterson, and they may assign somebody else, but that's kind of the room right now. Um this will probably be too late. Unless you're watching live, you're not going to hear this before waivers. But just season long, do you have any interest in, in having those guys on your roster going forward? Well, it depends on what I'm going for. The next two weeks, it's going to be McNichols. They play the Rams and the, and the Saints. I mean, that's just not – those teams aren't teams that the Titans are going to be able to run on. Even with Derrick Henry, those are two matchups that it would have been hard for me to think that he was you know, going to turn out a top-five performance. Obviously, when you get 30 carries a game – that's very possible, but it's just not something I saw happening. Um, so McNichols next two weeks is a guy I'd probably be looking to start going forward. After that, though, they get the Titans, or sorry, they get the Texans, the Patriots, the Jags. Mm-hmm. Those three games. I mean, if there's time for a 36 year old Adrian Peterson <laughs> to eat, it's it's going to be those games. We're not going to get Derrick Henry style workloads. I I probably have them around 15 to 18 carries a game at most, mm-hmm. but. I mean, this is a team that's going to be dedicated to running the ball to some extent. And I think Adrian Peterson is a player you pick up and you hold for two weeks and you don't start him. Yep. I'm I'm with you there. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not playing either guy, especially in, in these tough matchups. I just want to, to take a second. Obviously, no victory laps here. I'm not victory lapping an injury. But what I will say is 
this is what happens when you are just negligent as a coach and you decide we're just we're going to not care about historical precedent. I know Henry is a monster. I know he's a historic guy when it comes to being able to handle a workload. But still, there is a limit to everybody, every back in the league of what they can handle. They clearly they were basically they were they were asking for this. They they finally pushed him too far. And all I want to say is Mike Vrabel, straight to jail. Straight, straight to jail. Straight to jail. You take the guy who we just ranked number one. I, I, I've i been a Henry hater basically my whole life. Um, I finally rank him number one. Two weeks later, he's 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 done for maybe the season. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, prayers up for Najee Harris, who's getting similar workloads lately. So, <laughs> <laughs> At least he's only a rookie and doesn't have multiple years um, of doing this in the NFL. But, yeah, that's uh, – Another one that's uh, that's not so fun to think about how many times he's getting the ball. Okay, so maybe you have Derrick Henry on your team, and maybe you're not too interested in either Titans guy, especially, you know, like Dalton said. Neither one is probably a short-term fix. We've got maybe – I've got a couple running backs. I'll see, we'll see where you have, Dalton. We've got some guys on, on our trade list. So what we each did, we're bringing in five guys to either trade for or trade away. It's just a straight up trade show. No, no limit on on buy low, sell high. They don't have to be buy lows and sell highs. They can just be a guy you want to trade for at value. You know, whatever the case may be, it's very flexible. Just a just a way to talk about ten different guys, or in our case, probably like eight or nine different guys. We probably have at least one overlap. I wouldn't be surprised. But but Dalton, I'll I'll let you start us off. Who is the first guy you're making a move on? or moving off of at before the trade deadline in fantasy football? So the first guy that I am unfortunately moving off of, he's a guy who in the offseason you and I were both skeptical of. Uh, he has proved us wrong so far. He is the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts. So overall, he's a QB4. Uh, until which, is, which, is, which has gone down a little bit. I think he was QB2 before this last he was. week. Well, and he was only uh, QB4 now because he was benched in the fourth quarter against the Lions yep. and, and they, not because and of poor play. They, and they Gardner Minshew like, wasn't even dressing for a while. Now he, So it's like we're slowly – like it wouldn't surprise me if he just outright gets benched at some point. Like, Well, the, but he the, was benched in the Lions game for the blowout. Right. I mean like they're losing – at some point they could be losing 17-3 to and Sirianni is like, all right. Uh, it's third quarter because they'll come back. Like get get Minshew in there. I, I can't watch this dude anymore. Yeah, well, that's part of the concern I have when it comes to trading him. I mean, he's fifth in points per game overall quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So if you have him, you're probably doing well. Um, but you can also probably sell him as a really really good option for a different team. I was surprised the Le- the Eagles weren't sellers at the trade deadline. I figured they'd try to give something up, considering they're not much of contention. They are second in the NFC East, but. NFC East, so second doesn't mean much. Right. Um, second in the NFC East means you've got no shot at the playoffs because you're not making the wild card. Yeah, and their their next three games are a little difficult. They get the Chargers, albeit a little little short staffed Broncos, and then the Saints. So I mean, if you have him, those aren't games you want. But if you're a team gunning for the playoffs and you you can hold Jalen Hurts, maybe you have a Joe Burrow right now. Gunning towards the playoffs, he gets to the Giants, the Jets, Washington, the Giants again, and then Washington again. Uh, Washington being the worst pass defense in the NFL twice mm-hmm. going up to the playoffs. He's a guy you should trade for if you definitely have that variability, you know, start him week to week. Oh, so you're um, saying you're saying that you should go trade for? No, if I own him, I'm trading away. But okay. that's just a positive around him. Uh, the final thing, I mean, the Eagles are trying things out. And like you said, Gardner Minshew is someone who I could see them putting out there. The trade for Joe Flacco shows that they at least – have some faith in Gardner Minshew as a backup, and they're seeing things they like. Mm -hmm. And the ride in fantasy has been great for Jalen Hurts, but the ride in real life has been absolutely abysmal. Uh, Not including last week because he didn't play in the fourth quarter, 38% of his fantasy points came in the fourth quarter, and that is garbage time. Garbage time king. Right. Um, And I I was going to say, so before this last week, here's the exact numbers breakdown by quarter. 33.8. 26.3, 38.6, and 75.9. That's John Daigle on Twitter that, that had that stat. So, I mean, he he's going full Bortles. And that we know that can be a productive path, but is it a sustainably productive path? 
he could very easily lay a, a six-point egg in your most important game of the season and lose you that Week 13 matchup, Week 14 matchup you have to win, or lose the playoff matchup that, obviously, you have to win. Yep. So I think right now he's worth selling as a wide receiver for a wide receiver two. Uh, you know, probably a top 30 running back, probably nothing better than top 20, depending on the team you're selling to, or even a weekly startable tight end. I would probably be looking to deal for Jalen Hurts at this point. Uh, as the season goes on, and if the Eagles aren't winning games, I would just get more concerned about his viability as staying a starter unless he figures something out. It doesn't look like he's figuring that out. Well, a lot of times when you trade a quarterback, you can trade quarterback for quarterback and then get something else. Like you can trade, like I like the name Joe Burrow you brought up earlier. Could you trade him for Joe Burrow and then like, uh, I'll, I'll use this term a couple times today, a rotation receiver. Like a guy that isn't probably an every week starter, but you can rotate him in as a flex if you need to about any week. Like, I, like I, a Tyler I, Boyd. Yeah, like I like a Tyler Boyd. Yeah, and he's a name I actually I have that name written down on another oh, on, on, on another <laughs> one, not as a guy I'd like to trade for trade away, but just like a, as a as a make as a make believe deal. Yeah, I think that's perfect. Like a guy like that. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm not saying fantasy wise, if he starts every game, he'll continue to produce like this. I think there are just big questions whether or not that continues in the off season. Sirianni was non-committal with him. Uh, first game, it looked like he yeah. Had that's a little be- bit of an understatement. I mean, he yeah. It was like okay, this is a little bit weird. Like, is he gonna say that Jalen Hurts is starting, or, or what's happening here? Yeah, almost as worse as um, Shanahan telling us Garoppolo might be dead. We don't know. So, <laughs> uh, I would be concerned if he was my only quarterback, and I would be looking to you know try my best to get somebody. Maybe the Patrick Mahomes owner thinks the Chiefs are lost, and you can really shoot a deal for that one to one. You could try, yeah. I mean, that- <laughs> Hey, I bet you there's a league where that trade can happen. There is. Now, if you're in a smart league, probably not. But there are That prob- league's probably in Philly, if we're being <laughs> honest. <laughs> well, I don't know. Philly, it could go either way. They might hate him a lot more than the rest of the world, too, because it's Philly. Okay, so so my first guy, this is a, a trade for, so a positive to start us off here. And I feel like this might be going a little bit against the grain just because the starting running back is going to be back relatively soon, I mean, could be this week for all I know, is I'm trading for Khalil Herbert if if I have the chance. I mean, this is a guy that he's rushed for 72 or more yards in every game since Montgomery went down, and he's kind of stepped in as, like, had, like, an actual role, not just, like, a couple carries in the game. So, and he did that. 72 was his low, and that was this last week where he didn't even play, like, a very big chunk of the third quarter because I think he was getting checked for a concussion maybe. He, he he was out with an injury for like almost a whole quarter and then came back in and finished the game. So so no worries for, for this week. I, I think this is the chance to buy low even with as good as he's been because you've got Montgomery coming back again. Don't know if it's this week, but I think just based on the timeline that we were given initially, it's probably going to be very soon. I think Montgomery's going to be the lead guy. And I, that would be, I think the... The broad assumption is going to be, okay, Montgomery's going to come in and he's going to be the 80% guy. I'm just not so sure about that. I think Khalil Herbert actually is a better player right now than the David Montgomery, quite frankly. I still think Montgomery is probably the lead guy when he comes back, at least for a little bit. And then that competition, who knows how it plays out. But I think Herbert is a guy that's going to get 10, 12 touches a game. I'm not saying you trade for him and he's like you're locked and low at RB2, but if you're looking at like types of players you want on your team down the stretch, you want that running back who can like, you can start him. And if something were to happen to the other guy in the backfield, that's your lottery ticket. Like that's your league winner right there. What do you think? Yeah. I, I like the idea of it first because I think the owner is probably, they probably know that or they think at least he's not going to be there back for much longer with mm-hmm. Montgomery coming off IR. Um, a, just a wrench or a concern of mine would be, I don't know what this backfield starts to look like with Tariq Cohen returning, um, because then we have kind of a four-headed monster. I mean, David Williams himself is no slouch when he'll be able to play again. Uh, but I, I, I just kind of think cream rises to, to the top in this situation. And even if it's not the tip top, I just think he's for sure got to be a top two back on this team. 
I would believe you if it wasn't Matt Nagy who willingly started Andy Dalton. Uh, we'll we'll <laughs> see how much longer Matt Nagy is the coach. Uh, Justin yes. Fields just had his best game, and Matt Nagy was home with COVID. Just throwing well, that out there. And if Matt Nagy comes back and announces that Bill Lazor makes all the play calls, then I, I, I want more shares of this offense in general. Mm -hmm. But I would be for that. I really think at the right price, Cleo Herbert is probably a top like three or four handcuff in the league right now. The Bears are a run first. Oh mindset. yeah, I mean it. Like Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison. Like is Cleo Herbert next? Chuba probably, and then Cleo. I I think Herbert's been better than than Hubbard. Uh, it's pretty close, but I mean Chuba's still getting you know twenty six carries a game, or it's just and it's Chuba. Chuba <laughs> is getting 26 carries a game. But, no, I mean, he's certainly up there in that conversation with all of those bags. Um, but, the which... but, but the thing with, with Hubbard is that, you know, when McCaffrey's back, like, Hubbard, like, Rule is talking like Hubbard might still, like, still have a role, which is fine. He's not going to have as big – you're not going to – it's not going to be a Tony Pollard, a Khalil Herbert situation. And this is even the case with Madison, too. You cannot start those guys when Dalvin Cook – and when Christian McCaffrey are there, I think you could maybe get away with Herbert as your RB2 or your flex, uh, even when Montgomery is there. Because, like I said, I think he's better than Montgomery, quite frankly. Yeah. I mean, it looks like he might be from what we've seen. I think you can get away with flexing him in some of those weeks, which is why I like the idea of it. I would definitely trade for him because I think he, at least to the owner, he looks like a depreciating asset. If you're curious, the last four weeks – uh, it's funny that you brought up Hubbard because Hubbard, 12.5 points per game. Herbert, 12.3 in the last four weeks. So those guys are basically dead wow. even right now. Just dead and dead. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> okay, who, who's your second guy? Oh, before we move on, I guess, what I would give up for him. Could you get him for like like a guy like Christian Kirk? He's like He's a top 25 receiver. A guy that I don't really believe in going forward, but you could definitely sell box scores. You can sell you want a piece of this offense, like, you know, Herbert, all, all the negative things I said that you can sell before, you can, you can definitely present it as, like, you can't start this guy when, when Montgomery is back. Like, at least Kirk, you can flex him, and, and you, can, you can get, hopefully, 8, 10 points every week and hope for those, like, 20-point booms every now and then. Yeah, he's definitely a guy who, I mean, I would if I had Christian Kirk, I would trade him as quickly as possible. Um, that entire Cardinals offense still seems a little suspect to me. Uh, but yes, I agree with you. That's a player that I'd be willing to trade for Herbert. And I think that that's a deal you can make. All right. Give me your second. Um, so my second is actually one right above uh, Christian Kirk in points per game. It is Brandon cooks. Okay. He is the wide receiver 25 right now in points per game. I would trade for him, just like Jalen Hurts. He's been a garbage-time hero. However, the difference between him and Hurts is that his starting job is in no way whatsoever yeah, in any and, sort of jeopardy. And speaking of garbage-time hero, like, if you look at his box score from last week and think, oh, wow, like, he played great, like, it's great that Cooks got those stats, but the Rams had no starters in at that point. We're up, like, 35-0. to zero. Like, those were very fake numbers uh, for Brandon oh. Cooks last week. Absolutely. Um, and that's part of the reason I'm trading for him, though, is there's going to be a lot of fourth quarters where Brandon mm -hmm. Cook sees second and third teams, and he is. Well, and hopefully I mean, Tyrod Taylor is back at some point. Yeah, well, and he has pro-level talent. I mean, he's probably the most talented player left on this roster. Mm -hmm. I can't really think of anybody else, maybe Eric <laughs> or Justin Reed um, on their defense. But it's just this team is so bad, they're going to continue to get blown out. And like you said, Tyrod Taylor, when he did play, was willing to just chuck those balls as deep as he could right mm -hmm. towards Brandon Cooks. It's right in his MO. I mean, it's not going to be pretty. He's not a player you want to really cheer for and watch in his games, but he's a player who's going to get things done for you and that their owner probably looks at them and looks and just thinks they're not a player they want to own. He's somebody worth trading for. I, I mean, he gets Jacksonville again, too, who have the worst defense against wide receivers. There's some good... Indianapolis is another team they'll play again. They have the second worst defense right now at defending wide receivers. Mm -hmm. He's going to have more blow up games because of his skill. And he has 48% of the team's air yards. I mean, that's a ridiculous alpha level receiver stat. Right. And, you know, we'll see what happens with Tyrod Taylor this week. I know he's like eligible to return, but I, again, it's only Tuesday when we're recording this. So it's hard to say what the, what's going to look like on Thursday or Friday. But if you get to later in this week and there's still no sign of Tyrod, like, if that Brandon Cooks fantasy manager is like uh, three and five, two and six, 
they probably can't take another week of hoping that that Mills gets cooks there. Like you could, you could easily put that pressure point on him too. Yeah, because the difference, unfortunately, is that somehow at quarterback they managed to find somebody worse than Tyrod Taylor <laughs> in Davis Mills, and with the first pick of their draft. Um, so yeah, and I'd be looking to trade. I would trade wide receiver for wide receiver on this. Like you said earlier, Christian Kirk, if you can convince the manager that Christian Kirk for Brandon Cooks is a doable trade, I would do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little more down on Justin Jeff or sorry, on Cortland Sutlin lately because of the return of Jerry Judy. I might do that. Doesn't seem like else. Tim Patrick is going to go quietly into that, that dark night yeah. either. He was there. Their lead, he only had three targets, but had the most yards on the team last week. Yeah. Um, I, I had Henry Ruggs down. That's a mistake. Um, (laughs) Jalen Waddell, um, Chase Claypool were two other players I had down that I would trade for uh, Brandon Cooks. And then, I mean, at this point, if you have any interest in trading a guy like Van Jefferson, even who might have a little hype, I would trade him for Brandon Cooks. All those guys are around him in points per game. Yeah, I don't think you could do it for Van Jefferson, but I think like a guy like Kirk, like you said, you you, you might be able to – to pull that one off because you can if if you're talking to someone who really cares about situation uh there could not be two different situations uh, as far as quality of offense than than christian kirk and uh and brandon cooks i think mills might be like uh he's up there with nathan peterman as far as like very bad quarterbacks who have played in the nfl in the last like five five six years yep but when volume meets talent you get it especially when that talent gets you know third stringers in the fourth quarter where he can score. I mean, last week the Texans scored so many points in the fourth quarter, it looked like they were trying to make a competitive comeback. Not that that was going to happen. But, yeah, who do you have next? So this guy, I want to make clear, this one is very situational. If you are a a 6-2, 5-3, maybe even 4-4, depending on where that lands you in the league standings, I'm a hold for right now. But if you are... You know, three and five, two and six, or worse, uh, with Michael Carter on your team. I think I'm looking to sell high. And to be clear, for anyone in our dynasty league who is listening to this, <laughs> that does not mean I'm looking to sell in in dynasty. But and I, I think we can we can both be classified as Michael Carter truthers. Like I think we both had him in the top thirty, which was quite a bit higher than a lot of people uh, pre draft. He's RB twenty one right now which is just pretty astonishing. It says something about the running back position because he was like RB like 40-something, and he's already had his bye. But it also just shows like how freaking great he was last week, and he had been playing well even before that. He finishes the overall RB1 last week, 15 carries, 9 receptions, 14 targets, uh, over 160 total yards. Nobody in their right mind is paying you for that sort of production. Like, that's Christian McCaffrey production. Like, you're not getting that. Or he had a touchdown, too, in that game, by the way. But, like, can you get a guy like DJ Moore, who's wide receiver 11 right now, but if you look at the last four weeks, he's wide receiver 35 over that stretch. You've got Sam Darnold, who is currently hurt, previously playing poorly and got benched for P.J. Walker, and Walker isn't exactly a world beater. We've, we've seen that. We're still not sure when McCaffrey's going to be back. Could be this week. Could not be this week. Real great insight from Matt Rule when he spoke about that yesterday. Just just love it. Love, love the transparency there. Hopefully it's at least in the next two weeks. But every game we do on McCaffrey, you know, it gets more and more unlikely that Moore is going to have boom weeks because he can still produce, to be clear. But they're just going to score fewer points without McCaffrey in the lineup, plain and simple. I think for Carter, it was clear the takeover was coming. Um, before the bye week, he had started the uptick. And then you love when the first week after the bye, he was his highest opportunities, you know, carries plus targets and snap percentage. And then he obviously built on that in a big way. I don't think Tevin Coleman coming back will have much impact on that at all. I've seen that take out there. That's not really what this is about. But it's just like they scored 34 points against the Bengals. Mike White, for as great as he played last week, number one, probably isn't doing that again ever, if, you know, oft, often or, or ever, period. 
Number two, not going to be around for that much longer, I don't think. Zach Wilson should and will be the starter when he's back, regardless of how good Mike White looked for whatever reason the other day. I think Carter, in my mind, is like a low-end running back, too, the rest of the season. But I think you could probably get more than that right now. And I just worry that, number one, he's not going to have that. He's not going to get 29 targets plus carries very often. That might be that, – that probably is his max. Um, and then number two, you're just not going to get the the yards. It's going to look more like the week before where it was good volume – maybe like 80, 90 yards, you've got some receptions, and you hope he scores a touchdown. I think if you can get a guy like DJ Moore who's been struggling, I'm jumping all over that personally. Well, first, let me give it to our check down god, Mike White. Um, <laughs> as long as Mike White is starting, I would probably consider Michael Carter a top 15 option every week. Uh, the reason for that... He does um, have a tough matchup. I think the Colts are one of the better teams against running backs this year, they, and they play Thursday. So this also depends on, on when your trade deadline is, too. But if you trade him, you can sell the Mike White bump for this week. Well, let me give everybody some stats on why you want Michael Carter with Mike White, the, mm-hmm. the Mikes. Uh Mike White, in his start, had the lowest average depth of target of any quarterback this year. It's 1.2 yards lower than Jared Goff at 5.4. Mike White has targeted the running back on 39% of his pass attempts this year. And Michael Carter was the second highest targeted running back in the NFL this year, right behind Najee Harris' 19 at 14 last week. Uh, All in all... As long as Mike White is playing, Michael Carter is in a very good situation. Mm-hmm. By a small extension, Ty Johnson, too, because he just throws to the running backs. And as we know, throwing the ball to a running back is worth more than a rush attempt to a running back, especially in a bad offense that has to throw to them a lot. Mm-hmm. So those are all big pluses. I mean, if you were in a win-now situation, you might be able to use Michael Carter to your advantage mm-hmm. and either trade him for somebody who can keep you afloat or he can just do it himself. I think he probably slots into close to the top 15 for me this week. I'd have to look at it, but with bye weeks and injuries, it's rough out there. Yeah. And he's a guy you can sell as someone who's won the backfield, to someone who's not paying close attention. I mean, Ty Johnson was in there a lot too, but Michael Carter, just he's very talented. We loved him in the offseason. And he, yeah, just I'm glad that you mentioned he's very talented because he just – it, this was the most of a Jets game I've seen all season because they were actually on red zone very frequently. He he looked very good. So this isn't even like a, I don't believe in Carter or like, you know, I'm selling for DJ Morris. Like I'm selling him for, for a pretty high price. I'm not looking to trade him no matter what, but it's just like if you can get someone to pay, I think he's going to come back to earth a little bit when uh, when the rookie is, is back in there, the other rookie. Yeah, well, the last thing I'll say – um, is their offensive line's probably trending up with the addition of Luvenade Dartif. He's going to probably play right guard while they move Elijah Vera Tucker over to left guard. And then once they get McKee Becton back, who's due back in about two weeks, the offensive line's actually pretty good. I talked yeah. about it a little bit in the offseason. And when they have a better offensive line, I mean, that just leads to more production. So I would be excited about the, this team's trend overall. And if you could have a guy on that offense, you could be doing well. But at the same time, you can sell that he could continue this production because of his offensive line play getting better. Yep, or at least, hey, even if he even if he scores like 17 points a game instead of whatever he had, like 27, 17 points, even like 15, that's like a top top 12 running back right there. Yep. And I, I'm not quite sure that's going to happen, but I think you can paint the picture. It's a risk. It's definitely a risk trading him away, especially cross-trade for a receiver, uh, to be honest, but... But you I, should have running back depth if you took him. Yep, I mean, he was a 10th, yep. 11th round pick. Yep, and especially depending on when you drafted. If you drafted late August in a redraft league, you're 100% right. He was probably your 11th round pick. Yep, I agree with that. He's definitely someone I'd be looking to trade if I could. All right, your third guy. So this is a keep or a trade for. Uh, again, just like yours, this is situational. I'm probably trading for this guy if I have a team that's doing well. And if my team is doing poorly, I'm probably trading him away. But for most cases, I would want to have this guy going into the stretch if I think I'm a playoff team. Uh, And it is disgusting that I have to mention his name as someone I would trade for. But it is Leonard Fournette. (laughs) Of course, Fournette is our crossover point. Oh, no. (laughs) And I feel just the same way you do. This one makes me sick. To oh. my stomach, it rattles me to my core that I have oh, to God. that I have to talk positively about a guy that I don't think he's very good. No, I don't either. <laughs> but you know, 
Lombardi Lenny is right now the RB19 in points per game. They're getting the bye this week, so he's going to drop off in total points scored. But this, I mean, he is the most game script dependent back we've seen in a while. Mm-hmm. The thing is, the game script for the Bucks is almost always going to be good. Yep. And coming out of the bye, they get Washington, one of the worst teams in the NFL right now defensively, the Giants, the Colts, the Falcons. There's four straight games where Leonard Fournette is probably going to get 17 to 18 carries in the best offense in the NFL. Well, and, 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 and you mentioned the bye. I think that's another important point, too, is if you're a good team and Fournette is on a bad team in your league, you can sell like, hey, I'm trading you a free week here by trading you two guys. Like, like for me, I, what, what did I say? I said like a Miles Gaskin plus like a Hunter Rimfro, a, a Marvin Jones, a Tyler Boyd, even though Boyd's on a buy, so Boyd, Boyd wouldn't apply to that specifically. But like you can trade at least the main piece. Like this is a guy that, like in Gaskin's case, he doesn't have a buy until week 14. That's a problem for later down the road. You need to see the win right now. Here's your guy that can help you the next couple of weeks. I'm not totally sure. I believe that, but I think you can sell that and and get Fournette for that type of price off a team that needs to win right now. Yep, and we're coming off a game where, like I was just talking about, he's game script dependent. The Bucks were not winning that game at any point. Because of that, he was in the game. Joe Bernard, I think he got a touchdown, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. Um and it looks like Leonard Fournette's not even losing the receiving role. The only thing is, you just have to know for two stretches going into the playoffs, they get the Bills and the Saints, which are two games that Leonard Fournette is a lot more questionable for what you're going to get him for. But then once you hit the playoffs, he gets the Panthers, the Jets, and the Panthers. The Panthers are the 24th-ranked rush defense. By then, they're probably giving up on their season, if I were to guess, based on how they're trending. Uh, and he probably is a pretty good asset to have. I really hope Christian McCaffrey is back by then because he's going to have like 15 targets and 11 receptions in both games against the Bucks. They're going to be losing so badly. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, I can't believe we're doing this trade over. Uh, but again, Leonard Fournette is someone you probably want to target because to most league to anybody who owns him, he is not a fun asset to own. He's not a fun player to own. He's not, but just like a top 20 running. Like, it's really hard to find a running back you can get for not that much, but will also give you top 15 type of production. You just, you can't find it. There's really not much in between. It's him and yep. like three other guys. Yeah, and that's that's exactly right. Is That's what Leonard Fournette is. He He's probably one of those, I mean, just like Brandon Cooks a little bit ago, you're not going to want to watch him play. He's not an attractive option to watch play. But the Bucks get up and down the field so often, and they need him in the red zone. And it looks like AB is going to be gone for a while. And Gronk might have reaggravated his injury. He becomes a prime red zone option for this team. Tyler, Tyler Johnson, uh, a little sneaky stash uh, if you're if you're having an extra spot to play with. Yeah, and even Keyshawn Vaughn at this point because Rojo should just should have been <laughs> traded at the trade deadline. Would have made this a lot more interesting if Fournette didn't have Rojo sitting yeah. in the weight. Well, and, you know, Tampa's going to throw for a ton more than they're going to run uh, touchdown-wise, but that that split is 25-7, to seven, passing the rushing right now. I think that's probably going to tilt at least a little bit more toward rushing. Uh, like, you're, Fournette's going to run for some, a couple more touchdowns than he has so far, you would think, down the stretch. Or at least they will as a team, and he's the most likely guy to to get those touches. So that's just another another little point in his favor. And yeah, you you said exactly right. He is very game script dependent because even though they do use him in the passing game, when they are behind and truly trying to move, it's it's mostly Geo in in that backfield. But they do not have a hard schedule, which I know they play in the NFC South, but it's just a little funny how that works that the Bucks get a this nice schedule coming off a of Super Bowl, but the Chiefs get the gauntlet of the NFL. Um, a, a, a different podcast to discuss that one, perhaps. But but yeah, yeah, I, w- I would like to see Roger Goodell's text messages. <laughs> um, but that's neither here nor there. Well, if you're trying to get his text messages to Brady, you better get his phone. You know, Brady's gonna be broken. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so who's your third guy, Evan? Well, that was my third Wait. guy. I'll move to my fourth. We we can both give our fours here. We'll we'll see. So that was one crossover. We'll see if we have any more. I'm trading for Nick Chubb, Dalton. I am. And this is like probably the most important guy on my list because this is like the true league winning trade if it works out in your favor. 
Chubb has played six games. He's the RB18, RB15 in points per game. So it's not like you're buying like extremely low, but you are not buying Nick Chubb at the peak of his value right, right now if you're trading for him. And it's only been one game that he's played without Kareem Hunt, and it was a tough matchup against Pittsburgh. But you know, Chubb is so great that you really don't care about matchup on a week-to-week basis. But it just it wasn't what you'd hope without Kareem Hunt this week. Not just only in points, which he had 7.4, his worst game of the season, just from a pure fantasy point uh, standpoint. But he only played like 57% of the snaps, 56% of the snaps, which is basically exactly what he's played all season, which to me is mind-boggling, especially with no Kareem Hunt that he wouldn't play more. Like, I know Deere had a good game against Denver, but, like, I'd be looking to get Nick Chubb on the field a little bit more. But even if that doesn't happen, I just think Chubb is the one league winner who hasn't quite performed to that level that, like, he's gettable. Like, you can't go get... Aaron Jones. You can't go get Alvin Kamara. You can't go get Najee Harris. Like even Christian McCaffrey's been injured, but they're you know if you didn't trade for him a month ago, you can't go get him now. Like the the, the McCaffrey manager's not trading him now if he still has him. And I know I know Chubb has the reception problem on top of just the the snap problem. He has the reception problem. He only has let's see, I lost. I had the number somewhere. Basically, he has six receptions. The whole season. But that's really not much different than last year. He had 16 on the season last year. And if you look, five of those were in week 16. So he was basically on the same type of pace he is right now for basically all of of last season. And last year he played 11 games. He was the RB5 in, in points per game, RB11 overall. He was the highest ranked guy um, with less than, than 13 games played. By, by a handful. The only guy that was in that top 12 with 13 or fewer games besides Chubb was Aaron Jones. I just think Chubb is good enough to overcome the lack of snaps, to overcome the lack of, of receptions. And again, he is the gettable league winner in my mind. Yeah, I thought you were going to go down the route as he's going to start catching passes here, and I was going to lament that that's not ever going to happen. It should. Um, it happened. It should. It, it happened. It, what's so weird is it happened in the first eight games before Kareem Hunt came back from his suspension. And then it's just, I understand why it happens less with Kareem Hunt. Well, I don't, I understand, but I don't agree. I'll put it that way. But I understand. It's like, why is he only getting one target, one reception with no Kareem Hunt? But anyway, yeah, I, I'm not going to say he's going to go catch passes. I, I can't go down that road. Yeah, but I agree with you. This is a player that was probably taken in the first or the second round. And that team is probably struggling because he has not been on the field frequently enough. And even then, he hasn't had his, you know, stereotypical Nick Chubb game where he goes twenty for one hundred and forty and two touchdowns. He's had or, he he had the game where he rushed for one hundred and sixty, but no touchdowns. And he had another twenty point game. But you're right, he's had like the seven point game this last week, and then he had another eight point game a couple weeks ago too. So he's he's had a couple letdown games. Yeah, and I think now's the time to acquire him. He gets the Bengals, who just let. Like we just talked about, Michael Carter hang up a lot of points on him. Then he gets the Patriots, which are a bottom rushing defense. Eckler got a touchdown and looked great rushing against them this week. And then he gets the Lions, which, uh, I mean, he'll, he'll only play three quarters, 15 touches in three quarters, could be 180 yards and four touchdowns against mm-hmm. this Lions defense. Uh, so he has a pretty good three-game schedule coming up, and if you're needing to get your wins in, he's a guy who can help you get there. Um, and his owner is probably incredibly disappointed, like I was alluding to, watching mm-hmm. him play and watching Dearness Johnson continue to get the passing game in two <laughs> minutes real work. And it's not and, even just that. It's like you, know, you get Dearness Johnson who rushes for a million yards. I know the Broncos looked like they would have given up a million yards to literally anybody on Thursday night, but you just can't underestimate the emotion of, okay, I know it's the Steelers, but I got Nick Chubb back. There's no cream hunt. Like My guy is going off this week, and then he just doesn't. Yep. Yeah. So he's the guy I would, I would trade for, especially because he has that top level talent and to date probably hasn't looked like he has that pedigree for your fantasy. And team. like, and like I said, it's just, those are the, le- if you can get a running back of that caliber, those are the league winners. And it's just with the injuries that we've had this year, it's so hard to find a top running back that you can actually realistically acquire in a real league with real trade offers. 
Yep. So moving on to my guy, uh, I'm trading him away as quickly as I can. Um, it's Noah Fant. This might be harmed a little bit by the fact that he's on the COVID list. Yes, now. I was going to say I did not. I did not put him down because he's on the COVID list, and this happened after I decided to put him on here. But right now he's 12th in points per game among tight ends. When you take out the outliers of Logan Thomas, who's hardly played, Jordan Brevin. And then someone named Amarcus or something or another. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding. Uh, with Judy in the lineup, uh, no player except for Judy has averaged more than three targets on this Broncos team. It's a very small sample size because it's two games, but that's scary because on Judy's return and limited action, no one saw more than t- that many targets. Bridgewater is spreading the ball to everybody, um, but he's doing it poorly. And that's what really yes. hurts Noah Fant. As as somebody who has not had Russell Wilson in our dynasty league and has had to start Tay Bridgewater a few times, it has not been a pleasant ride. <laughs> it's not been yes. a pleasant ride or pleasant results. It's you at least if you if you have a bad ride, you want it still to look good in the box score at the end. It's been neither of those things. Exactly. And that I mean, it looks like the Broncos are just giving up on the season based on their moves at the trade deadline. And I'm not saying Teddy Bridgewater is going to get bitched for Drew Locke, but that's not outside of their own possibilities if Vic Fangio suddenly thinks that he is missing something. Uh, but in the same vein, having a player who is a corner piece to the franchise going on to what they are considering a lost season is never something you want to have, especially because the Broncos have some pretty tough games coming up against teams like the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, I think they play the Ravens still. It's just not a good schedule for them going forward. And Noah Fant was doing well early in the season because he was getting a lot of targets. Mm-hmm. Now that the players are back and playing for that offense, that includes Albert O as well. Their other tight end who they like to utilize. I love I, that we just as a fantasy football community have agreed that his name is Albert O. Yeah, because Abogumagami or whatever it is, <laughs> I'm not going to try to say it. Uh, you probably got closer doing that <laughs> than you do Chuba half the time. That, so. that is true. Yeah, but I'm trading him away because – Name name alone, he's worth something to people. And box score-wise, he looks like he's had some big games can do that for you. But I don't think he's doing much of those going forward. Yeah, and, you know, I mentioned Tim Patrick earlier not going away. Like, I think that's also a factor, too. Like, Judy going to be the lead guy, I think. Cortland Sutton's still obviously there. And, like, Tim Patrick is, like, again, he's, he's going to have off weeks, too. They're all going to have off weeks, clearly, in that offense. But... Like, Tim Patrick being there is going to be a thorn in, in Noah Fant's side. And all their sides, but Fant is below the other guys, their top two receivers in the pecking order. You know, I want to disagree because we really haven't disagreed on a single guy yet. But, yeah, I'm I'm with you. And to, like, give very specific action steps to anybody who catches this on, on YouTube before waivers run, like, if Pat Fryermuth is out there in your league, like, trade, no, like, Either trade Fant now and pick up Fryermuth, or just pick him up and with the intention of trading Noah Fant. Like, like Fryermuth, you've got no Juju. He has scored touchdowns in the two games without Juju. Like, Chase Claypool, I thought about putting him on this list as a trade away because he, for as great as he is as a talent, just doesn't really fit what Big Ben is, or maybe a better term, is not capable of at this point that's Deontay Johnson that's uh Pratt Fryer maybe both around the line of scrimmage that that fit that a little bit better well to be fair I don't think most players in the NFL are capable of doing what Big Ben needs which <laughs> is moving mountains to score touchdowns for that man <laughs> um, I just mean like Claypool's a very vertical guy and uh Ben is not exactly great at those at those, at those throws anymore <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And you can see the Steelers are manufacturing plays for Clayton Poole as well. Mm-hmm. The guy, I mean, they're, they're giving him end rounds, just trying to get him in the end zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, very unfortunate for a skillful player, but that offense is trending very, very, very down. Great for the Muth, though. The Muth, um, as Jason Moore might say on the footballers, the Muth is Luth in, in Pittsburgh. But okay, Dalton, my fifth guy, you're down to your fifth too, right? We've got, we've yep. got one more. Um, what division are you in? I'm curious if we have the same. Is this a trade away or trade four for you? A hundred percent a trade away. Okay, my in, is he in the NFC South? Oh nope, we have different oh, guys. Okay, then. Okay, okay, I'll I'll go ahead. So my trade away, I'm a little surprised he's not on your list. Is Antonio Gibson? Was he a guy you thought about? 
He was, um, and I didn't put him on this list. And it's funny because this guy's a running back, so what I'm saying is going to make a lot of sense until I explain it later. But right now in the NFL, it is so hard as a fantasy player to have two starting running backs that I'm really holding on, hope to whatever I can get my hands on. And if you drafted Gibson in the second round, your team probably doesn't have the makeup it needs to to really move. But if you, I mean, I think you're right. If you want to trade him away and try to get a lesser known running back, like let's say Michael Carter and a <laughs> right. wide receiver, yeah, yeah. I would. Yeah. Do or that. or if I have Michael Carter on my team, then I'm like, okay, I'm holding Michael Carter. I'm trading Antonio Gibson, and you know, let let the chips fall where they may. Um, here's the thing, like. I really like Gibson as a player, so this definitely sucks to have him as a trade away at this point. But you mentioned you don't want a cornerstone on a team that is not looking uh, toward the playoffs. Um, like, this is the guy right here, Antonio Gibson. He's been nursing the shin injury pretty much all season. Uh, got to a boiling point against the Chiefs where he actually wasn't even able to finish the game. And... Since then, he hasn't played more than 42% of the snaps. 42 and 33 the last two weeks. He was out-carried by Jarrett, Patter- by Jarrett Patterson. I think mm-hmm. Patterson. Yeah, I spelled his name wrong in here, but it was Jarrett Patterson. And Gibson only had eight carries. McKissick, obviously, is the top guy as a receiver out of that backfield. And he and, and Gibson split down the middle 11 touches. But you'd rather have eight receptions, three rushes, as opposed to eight rushes three receptions um so you have that which just isn't great and i still think like if you're trading him away for what you said it's so hard to find running backs and for what i said about chubb like if gibson can turn around like this is another guy who could turn into a league winner for sure you're definitely taking a chance by trading him away and he's the type of guy that people are probably looking to trade for at the deadline which is why i think you can still get a good trade for, for Gibson, even with as bad as things have been lately. Because it, it's been bad. He has, like, 16 points combined the last three weeks. Only, like, I, I think it was a six-point game and then, like, three and change the other two. Like, it's it it's been, it's been very bad, and that shit is very scary. It's basically kept him from practicing at all. They're having to manage him um, – so severely to even get him ready to play in these games and then since the Chiefs game he just isn't even playing that much in these games and then you also just have the uh the offense isn't very good so if he's not getting a ton of opportunities the upside just isn't what what we hope for either yeah and he's obviously even when he was healthy like McKissick was still more of a factor than than we hoped well, and I mean, he was a wide receiver in college and he's not catching the ball in the NFL. And we all thought he was going to be CMC light for Ron Rivera 2.0. And it's just not come to fruition. Since they played Kansas City, Clyde Edwards Hilaire has more points than Antonio Gibson. And Clyde Edwards Hilaire got injured in the second quarter against the Bills the next week <laughs> uh, and has not played a snap since. If you want to know how bad it is, and you're probably putting Gibson in your lineup every week, this week he was. Unlike every other week coming into the season, he was a full participant in practice on Friday, mm-hmm. and then he saw the lowest snap share he's seen all season, and he's losing first and second down runs to Jarrett Patterson. And I mean, and even when he's not losing those runs, he's not playing any third downs hardly, and he's not playing any two minute drill. Which, you know, two minute drill, like it may not seem like much, but that's a real quick way to pile up like three or four points. Uh, for a player if they catch one or two passes. And yeah. that, it's it just it hurts the upside not to have that. Yeah, well, and it would be different if the defense in Washington was what we thought it was, which was going to be a, you know, a, a highly top five NFL defense, but they're one of the worst. So they're not in positive game scripts where they want to keep Gibson on the field. They want McKissick in. And then you have Tyler Heineke who, I mean, he, he has grit, but I, the guy's not a good NFL no, quarterback. he's not. And when you put all of these things together, you're starting Gibson, and I, you, it's really hard for me to point to where he's going to get you your points every week here on out. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just concerned with the shin at this point. The shin combined again. I know nothing about the actual injury, but just the fact that it's, it, it seems like it's not going away. And my non-expert take from very far away is. Clearly, since he's been dealing with it for a while now, it seems like the only way to truly get him healthy is to 
sit him down for a couple of weeks. And if things keep going the way they're going, which I don't see any reason why that will not happen, like I could totally see him being a guy who's done for the year by week by week twelve, week thirteen. Well, to make matters worse, they lost their starting center to the season mm-hmm. in their last game. I mean, that offensive line now looks worse. I just Washington isn't the team we thought they're going to be, which is a perennial, perennial playoff contender. They're bad, and at and, least with a good defense to keep them in games. That's at, yeah. at the very least, that's what we thought. Yeah, and that's what got them to the playoffs last year as a seven and nine team. Um, but they don't have anything we need as a team, and it's just hard to justify starting Gibson. I, I mean, he's like worthy of flex consideration week to week. Now, I wouldn't even mm-hmm. put him in my RB two category. I'd probably rank McKissick ahead of him most weeks now with the way the snaps are playing out. It's hard. I think if I were actually doing ranks, I'd probably just cop out and stick him back to back in yeah. my ranks. And basically that's just my way of throwing my hands up saying, I have no idea which of these guys is going to be better, which that's not where, what you drafted Gibson for. He's still the RB 19. Like I think that combined with the early ADP in August combined with what we saw him do last year, like, I still think you can trade him for good stuff, like Michael Carter plus something. Like, uh, I don't know, like guys in that Like, I don't love Chase Edmonds, but like Edmonds plus a good, re- like Edmonds plus a better receiver than that than is in the Carter package. Like, I I would do it because I'm just terrified of, of this situation and, and this just this whole deal going forward with Gibson. Yeah, I am too. And it's just, it sucks because I really wanted to be in on him two years in a row and this year just it's it's horrible for him but hopefully next year jd mckissick doesn't resign <laughs> and he gets the third down role as well yeah um that that'd be great all right dalton who who is your fifth and and final guy here let's see if it's someone that we actually disagree on i really don't think we're going to but maybe we will um there's a thing back in the 1800s where miners would go into the hills and they thought it was gold They'd bring it all the way back and they'd sell it. And it would turn out it was not gold and came to be named fool's gold. And I think this is the biggest fool's gold of the fantasy football community. And it is Corderell Patterson, who is currently the RB10. Now, you didn't draft Corderell Patterson. And I won't believe you if you told me you did. (laughs) That's the first thing I want to say here. He's a 30-year-old running back. Even in our dynasty league, that went like like 23 rounds he was undrafted. Yeah, I did pick him up and drop him several times on waivers, uh, <laughs> regretting that, uh, truth, truthfully. But the, the thing is, he is the RB10 right now, wide receiver 11. I don't know what you categorize him as in your league because he still has both categorizations. Yeah, dep- I, I don't know if he does in every format, but definitely depending on where you play, you can start it either, which seems a little, little ridiculous, but whatever. Yeah. Um, last week, for whatever reason, Mike Davis ended up having a 64% snap share to Cordell Patterson's 36. He still had an okay game. But here's the thing. He has 43% of Atlanta's touchdowns. And I don't mean running backs or wide receivers. He has 43% of the team's touchdowns. Uh, that is very unsustainable. Secondly, Atlanta is a team that is on the out and out. I mean, this team does not look good. They're going to continue to play Matt Ryan. But Cordero Patterson is well, playing I, at a very unsustainable rate. I think losing Ridley hurts that entire offense's uh, fantasy outlook too. Like, you know, you you'll hear the argument like, oh, more volume for Pitts, more volume for Patterson, more volume for you know whoever, Russell Gage, Tajay Sharp, Mike Davis, like any of these guys. But it's like, did anyone hear what Kyle Pitts said after the game the other day? Like. He's like, I definitely noticed I got more attention without Calvin Ridley, basically, is what he said. And I think that's probably going to be true for everybody on that offense. Yeah. And look, I'm one of the people who love Correll Patterson. I memed last year when he got a play as the Bears and got a, get a couple of spot starts. He's not the talent he is. Right now, on targets per route run, on this season, he's at 44%. That means... Half the time he's running a route, Matt Ryan is throwing the football his way. Even without Calvin Ridley, that's not going to continue to happen because he's only on the field for 48% of the team's snaps. To continue at this level of volume, he has to literally be getting targeted half the time he's on the field. And, it's really and, hard And, for and that. scoring the touchdowns. Like you said, he already has seven touchdowns, which ties his career high from, from his rookie season. Guys don't usually like blow away 
their career highs across the board, which, you know what, he's on pace to do it. And he probably is going to do it by a, by a decent margin in just basically everywhere, receiving yards, touchdowns, you know, everything. But yeah, it's like at a certain point, like I just like I would have thought this already was too good to be true and not going to continue like multiple weeks ago. I still can't believe we're here, but I'm with you and I'm going down with the ship of I don't buy it. Like I'm I'm yeah. ne- I, if I lose a league because I because Cordell Patterson's not on my team and he's still doing this like. I think I just have to take that bullet. Like, I really don't think I can believe in this almost no matter what. Yeah, well, and you said it earlier, the two-minute situation is where you want to have your back. Last week, he had 0% of the two-minute drills for Atlanta. And then going on the year, this is from uh, Nathan J- or Dwayne McFarland at PFF, he has 24% of the team's two-minute snaps. So for a guy who's classified as a running back wide receiver, not getting what you'd consider the receiving down work, that's, I mean, it's scary. And we know Mike Davis is a receiver out of the backfield. It's what he was able mm-hmm. to do in Carolina. It's just the the way Cordero Patterson is scoring points does not feel sustainable. And it's not like it's an Aaron Jones otherworldly talent scoring at a high touchdown rate with a great quarterback and a great offensive line. This is a bad team somehow getting all of their touchdowns to one player in a situation where, I mean, if a defense picks up on Cordero Patterson, I, I mean, Kyle Pitts is better than him. He should be getting yeah. more usage than, <laughs> yeah. it's just, it does not feel like something that will continue to go. I probably would also, on the other hand, give a slight bump to Mike Davis. I don't really want to own him, but if he's someone you can get very, very cheap, I expect some of this touchdown regression to at least head his way. Yeah, you would think so. And then, obviously, Kyle Pitts, and then... Who really knows at receiver? And obviously, we we have no idea when Ridley is coming back, if it's this year. I mean, theoretically, it could be never. I We just don't know anything close to enough to speculate as far as, far as that goes. But yeah, I mean, I think you have to assume, at least in the short term for this season, that Ridley is not going to be back and be surprised if he is. And I again, I, I just think not having him there hurts Patterson because Patterson, like like you outlined, he's not a guy who has lived off volume. He's a guy who's lived off efficient volume and breaking the huge plays, which, again, as, you know, with Ridley there was extremely frustrating that Ridley was getting none of those, and those would have eventually regressed a little bit. But at the same time, Ridley is the guy who opens up a lot of that stuff for, for those guys too. Yeah, just out of curiosity, would you trade Cordero Patterson for Calvin Ridley in a redraft league? In a redraft league? Yep. No, just on I, the hope he comes back. I just, I don't think you can be because Patterson is running back eligible, and it's like even if he complete, even if he falls off to the point of, um, he's a low end flex or not even startable. It's like, again, we just you'd have to know more than we know right now to trade for Ridley and redraft, and you know even in dynasty, like there's really no no point in. Like it would be the ultimate buy risky buy low and dynasty to go do that, I guess, you know, and, and that's how you get, that's how you stack great teams in dynasty, but that's also could very easily blow up on your face. Yeah. But I agree. I think right now, based on numbers alone, you could probably trade quarter Patterson for, I mean, an underperforming back who's still probably going to figure it out. Like a, uh, I mean, Elijah Mitchell, you might even be able to get Cordero Patterson for mm-hmm. somebody I would probably prefer to own. And then even a, a spot start wide receiver in that situation. I was going to say, could you talk somebody, you know, we talk about trading ponies for a horse, two guys for one. Could you talk somebody into Patterson is actually the, the one and you get the two back? I don't usually like being on that end of a deal, but if, With if Patterson, really the one in that trade, I think I, I think you could pull something like that off. Where it's like, heck, he, like trade him for McKissick plus like a top another like a top twenty four receiver like McKissick plus I don't know like Tyler Lockett, Deontay Johnson, like Emmanuel Sanders just had a a, a bagel, but he had Led been the- great for the Bills before then. Like I I think someone in that range maybe. Yeah, well, I mean. On a sheer points per game, even, uh, he's 40 points ahead of Stefan Diggs. 
Like, and I know yeah, Stefan Diggs think, had his I, bye. I think Diggs probably just has the, and rightly so, I might add, the pedigree is just, even though he's underperformed, the pedigree is just not going to allow that trade to happen many places, I don't think. Absolutely. But, like, we spoke about him earlier. A Brandon Cooks and, I mean, like a uh, Puka Williams, that's a trade that I could see happening. Wait, Brandon Cooks and who? And Puka Williams, Jamal Williams. Huh. <laughs> Javante Williams, Javante, right? Javante or Jamal? Javante, sorry. Okay. I was thinking, wrong Jamal, sorry, wrong Williams. Yes, Javante Williams. Gotcha, gotcha. I was like, Puka Williams, I don't even know if he's on a team right now. No, no, that that's what I meant, sorry. But that's a trade I would probably make for Patterson and feel all right about. So we haven't talked about tight ends at all besides you know Noah Fant briefly, but we haven't talked about like the top guys. Like Coral Daryl Patterson, would you trade TJ Hawkinson straight up for Patterson? Like Mark Andrews? Like those are the tight end two and three right now. Yeah, I would probably do that. And you might you might be able to to pull that trade. I, I would rather be on the tight end side of uh, of that. And I, I think you could probably pull that off, just because uh, again, running back is just so hard to find guys. Yeah. Um, but I think this is a running back that you're going to be disappointed for yes. going into the playoffs. And hopefully you got him off waivers pretty cheap because even week one, it was everybody was like, oh, that's that's the week one performance that no one believes. Yep. And somehow he, he has continued to perform. I, I am going to say that's not going to continue. I've been wrong before, but man, does this one feel <laughs> like it cannot be right. <laughs> you would think. You would think. And Dalton, I think that's going to do it for us today on episode 52 of the Half Point Per Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Half Point Per Pod. Um, we sure agreed a lot today. Something tells me, if we're making bets on Patterson, something tells me we're as likely to disagree on a lot of stuff next week after so much agreement this week. We will have, hopefully, uh, producer Johnny back in the fold after he gets back from his... Uh, his Disney tour, uh, eating the pretzels, going on a small world. And we will talk to you guys perhaps on Sunday for sure. Next week though, um, recapping what hopefully is another great week of, of fantasy, but until then take care and we'll talk to you soon.